What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to self-development, self-improvement, and helping you achieve the goals that you've laid forth in your life. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, and on today's episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, I have my new friend, Lindsay Sutherland, joining us. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us, and give the audience a little bit of a detail on who you are and why you're so awesome to listen to today. Well, thank you. I'm grateful to be here, Brandon. And I've been, it's a pleasure been getting to know you as we've been leading up to, to, to you know, recording this episode. Uh, but basically, in a nutshell, I am a mother of four and I left my six figure career to chase my dream of living in a log cabin in the woods. I wanted to raise my kids where we had plenty of room to run, you know, outdoors stuff. I love the outdoors. And, you know, I, I'm here today to be an inspiration and also to offer some tactical strategies to help people really go after their big dreams and not just dream, but achieve. Oh, perfect. I think that's the message that we all want to hear today. I mean, a lot of times we'll chase our dreams, but are we actually going to accomplish them? Hopefully after today's strategies, we'll be able to do just that. So guys, with all that being said, let's jump into today's episode. So Lindsay, you kind of have a very peculiar lifestyle, some would say, where you left your big job, you know, the one you you go through the ranks your entire life, graduate college, and you kind of slowly start making your way up and position and salary and whatnot. And then one day you kind of just said, I want to take a step back and do something for myself. What was kind of your thought process? And can you lead us into a little bit of that journey that you experienced? Yeah, well, essentially, I was going to college, I had a full ride. Um, to the community college. And then I was in the middle of taking these AP classes while working full time. And that was a grind. But what really sealed the deal for me is when I started making more money in the automotive industry than I was going to make with my career, with the trajectory I was on with my college. Which degree were you chasing at the time? Well, so at the time I was going for, um, psychology. Both of my parents had passed away before. Well, at that point, only one of my, my mom had died when I was young. And I just felt like I wanted to give back and do child psychology and help children who had dealt with loss. Um, but there was still this nagging thing in the back of my head that was like, could I really do that? Is that going to just be too close to home? You know, but it's the thing that made the most sense. And I thought that really God put me on that path. And maybe I had that experience for that reason. So that's what I was going for. And then I needed a job. So I started working in the car business and I worked my way up really quick. I was an avid learner. I loved doing new things. I would get bored easily. And so for me, it was an adventure. It was really fun and it was really stressful, but it was, it was good stress. You know, the kind that kind of gets you going. Uh, And after I was doing that for, I don't know, 18 months or something, it was getting to the point where I was going to my science classes that required labs and I was going to be facing schooling until like 11 at night because I was doing it at night. Then I would have to be at work at five in the morning and I was just run down. I was starting to get really run down. Um, And, you know, it it really comes back to the why. That's really one of the key points I want to talk about is because I think if I was really behind the vision of what I was trying to do with my college, I would have stayed with it. But because I had that nagging question of, is this really even what I want? 
it was very easy to walk away from. It was easier to take like and look at it and say, well, I'm already making what most child psychologists are making in their career already. And I was only 19. So the car business became my career. And looking back after 20 years of that, it's funny because throughout the, those 20 years, I often regretted not finishing college. I often thought I should quit this career and go back and get my degree. But after I got out, finally, 20 years later, I looked back and I thought, you know what? That was the most beneficial on-the-job training experience, almost better than a college degree in business or anything else I could have done. I did everything from, from sales, marketing, business management, finance. You know, I understood how to sell things. I understood the back mechanics of making a whole system work. I started whole departments within... Uh, the whole dealership multiple times over. So I knew what was involved in a startup. You know, there was just so many benefits that I didn't even wrap my head around until after I got out and I'm like listing out what are, what am I gifted at? So in, in essence, I was able to drop the guilt that I had about leaving my college dream or chasing that and really realize that I got paid to get educated. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Um, but through that process, I had four children and I'm sure many people know the car business in and of itself is a, is a, it's a hard business to be in. It's a very grueling, as they say in the car business, you're only as good as your last month. <laughs> so you're always, you're always striving again and starting over again. It's like, it's just this repeat. Um, and the more, t- the more I grew in the ranks, the more my time was taken in the career Then meanwhile, I'm having children and I'll never forget this one moment. I sat on the rocking. Now at this time I was in finance at a Toyota dealership in Phoenix. I had four days off a month, a whole month. I got four days off and often I would be there at eight and I wouldn't leave till midnight and then I'd be back at eight. That's kind of the way the schedule would roll. And this one day off, I was sitting in my living room and at the time I had two little boys, my two young, my two firstborns, and they looked like somebody else's children. It was really eerie. It was creepy. And they were calling me mama, but I just felt this like disconnect. Like I just didn't know these little people like I should have, like a mother should. And that's when I really started to realize that I need something to change here. I need to work less, maybe chasing after. At that point, I I was on a mission to be a general manager. I was already in the trainings and the ranks. And I thought, you know, maybe I need to rethink that. My priorities shifted. And so that would be point number two, is that as you're getting vision, right, you're getting vision for your goal, just be prepared for life to change. Circumstances change, and it's okay to pivot as long as you're trusting your heart and you're fit, you're really listening to yourself. Because, you know, there is that thing, you could be a chronic changer, and then you don't get anywhere in life, and you know, that's detrimental. But this was obviously, like, since my mom had died when I was young, I knew the importance of making those memories and being there. So I wasn't willing to give that up and to, I don't know, let it linger, you know, because it's easy to just suck it up and just keep doing it because you think you have to. I was the only one generating an income in our family. My husband was the stay-at-home dad. So, you know, it was very, it would have been very easy to rationalize and justify what I was doing. 
what ended up happening over the next few years is I was able to transition into a different dealership and a different role where my time was more reasonable as a mother. So rather than working those crazy hours in finance, now I was an internet director. I was overseeing a team of 30 people. And as doing that, I only had to work Monday through Friday, which was a huge benefit. But even still, my fourth child, now this obviously time had passed, when she turned one, I realized that almost all of her firsts I'd experienced through pictures from the nanny. And it was like a knife in my chest. I thought, I cannot live this way, you know. It's one thing for her. She's probably having a fine experience. Our nanny was amazing. But I was going to regret this. Like, I could see that coming. Have you ever read the book? It's Stephen Covey. Um, oh, The Seven Habits I Think of Highly Successful uh, People. Of highly Effective People, right? Yeah. And in the beginning, he talks about, like, a funeral scene. And you walk up and it's you in the in the box, you know. And you're kind of starting to recognize what regrets you or the lives you didn't live, right? That's right. And so I had read that book. And then obviously with the experience of losing my parents, I just recognized that life is just too short to screw around, basically. You know, it was like, there's just waiting isn't an option. And that was in 2016 when I hit that pillar where it's like now my fourth baby I've made all these promises to myself that when this child hits this age I'll be staying home and when that one hits that age I'll be staying home here she was my fourth child turned one and yet again I was making this promise to myself and it was sickening honestly like in full transparency it made me so angry with myself and I looked at my husband we had been dreaming about living in a log cabin it's something we talked about off and on for the last I don't know seven years at least, getting a piece of land, building a cabin, you know, getting out of debt, all of those things. And this particular day, I just looked at him and I said, when are we going to stop talking about this and just do it? I'm, I'm really done with the conversation. Right. <laughs> and that was, like I said, that was 2016. I ended up writing a document, uh, like a little notes word document. And it was Lee and Lindsay's dream of living in a log cabin by December of 2018. And then below it was our strategy that we thought we would do and how we would financially make it happen. Because at this point in time, I was making a six-figure career. Life was good. We had a nice house. Our debt was manageable. I mean, everything about the picture of my life was one of those that other people were like, man, that's what I aspire to live. Right. And yet I was not happy. And there was a lot of guilt that went along with that too. I was like, I should be grateful. I should be this. Um, but again, I believe that when we have a desire for something that is, I, I, this is my personal belief. I believe that is God's message that we are not living the path he set for us. And if there, if we're being inspired to do something different, then it is our choice, obviously, but it's so much better when we listen. Right. And if I could jump in there for one second as well, there, there's a lot to dissect here. Um, you're a great storyteller too. I can kind of go through the motions and picture exactly what you're feeling in those moments when you're you're working obviously to support a family. That's obviously everyone needs to do it. It's a, it's a base necessity that we have here while we're living on this earth. But you also have that sense of being a mother and wanting that time with your children and wanting to you know be there for them and see these 
these different moments that they're experiencing while growing up, these moments that you can never get back, right? Their first steps, the first time they talk, like these little moments that I'm sure as a parent, you just, you just get all giddy about, but you're the one working in the family. You're the one who's going to work every day and providing for them. And you start to recognize my life isn't as complete as I necessarily want it to be. Granted, like you said, you're living a dream that so many people probably want to live. You're financially stable. You have the you have the beautiful family. You have the nice house. I'm sure working at a car dealership, you probably had a nice car. You know, like you had these things that so many of us view as if I get to that point, I've made it. You know, if I can get to the nice house, I've made it. If I can have the kids, I've made it. If I got a husband that's still with me, I've made it. You know, I feel like a lot of people, especially younger generation, people my age going to college and whatnot we get these views in our head of what success really is. I want the money. I want the fame. I want the, you know, ABC and D. But you started to recognize very quickly that ABC and D, what you maybe once thought of as a priority wasn't exactly what you wanted it to be anymore. So it seems like you kind of took a step back and recognized, okay, I want to spend a little bit more time with my family. Boom. First transition. You start working um, less hours at this new dealership and you keep going and you going. And then another transition happens and you start to recognize, all right, I need to do this now. I need to make this plan. I'm going to set it forth that we are moving December of 2018. No matter what, it was you do or die. I'm going to do this no matter what. And he started putting that into action. So I guess my question for you, Lindsay, and hopefully you can relate this in some way to your story is, at what point do you think it's appropriate to start transitioning? Because obviously you had to go through these motions to learn that you wanted the happiness with your family over the work. You had to go through the motions of working to be able to provide for them and be able to achieve this dream of kind of moving out into the country, into your log cabin with your family. But you wouldn't be able to do these things had you not worked super hard for those 20 years, made all that money, provided for your family. So at what point were you able to kind of make that transition and go live the dream that at that moment you were pivoting towards. In the book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about a burning desire. And I noticed that came up for me when my dream, the burning desire of my dream consumed me. Every day I would think about it. Driving to work, I felt like I was going to a prison. My time belonged to somebody else. My life belonged to other people. I, it was either my job, my employees, they owned me. Like, I know that sounds weird to think about, but when you're in management, you know, and somebody calls in, guess who's covering, right? I mean, you, I wanted to take a vacation. Oh no, two other people requested a vacation at that time and I would have to cover. So it was one of those things where my burning desire started to take over. My, my desire to leave was stronger than my desire to stay. And I don't have any regrets. I think like of everything I did, it all culminated to the life that I'm living today. I couldn't do what I'm doing today without the experiences that I had. So I believe it was all intended and it was just perfect. So really that to answer your question, it's about listening to yourself and knowing when your truth is speaking so loudly, it's just unavoidable. And you know, it's kind of interesting too, Lindsay, because oftentimes we face challenges inside of our life that before they became a challenge, it was our like greatest accomplishment or it was like our greatest passion, you know, many times, like for you, you, you stopped school, 
and you started working. And you mentioned this yourself. You loved it at first. You were learning all these different business principles, some stuff that you couldn't even learn in school. And at the time being, when you first started, you probably thought that was like the coolest thing on earth, what you were doing. Then as time goes on and our perspectives start to change and our mindset shift a little bit and the circumstances that life kind of throws at us every once in a while, as those start to shift as well, this thing that you once desired so much that you found so much joy from and so much passion from, and now is starting to kind of consume you and become your enemy in a way. But I'm glad you mentioned that you have no regrets towards it because Oftentimes in our lives, when we face these challenges, when we go through these experiences that were once to our great benefit, but are now kind of our downfall, we always look at them on the negative. We look at them as, oh, that was the worst time of my life. I can't believe I went through all that, but now I'm going to get to a better stage. But what happens when you get to that better stage? You start going through these same exact motions. Every we're, We're humans. We love consistency, but when consistency becomes boring, we often just dish it to the side and we want to experience something new. So I'm glad that you were able to have that gratitude towards it. So you can recognize like, Hey, I experienced this. It was for my benefit, but now I'm going to go try something else. Right. And I think we're all expansive beings. That's what makes life pleasurable is to expand. You know, I did it a little backwards. I regretted the car business choice the whole time I was doing it. I was always thinking, why in the world am I still here? I tried to get out of the car business at least four different times. The money's good. It's easy to make when you're good at what you do. So it's easy to jump back in. But uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you said, circumstances change. And I was going in to be a GM. I had read Lee Iacocca's autobiography. He uh, started out as a as a lot attendant at a dealership and ended up being the CEO of Chrysler. Okay. I was so inspired by that. That's what put me into the car business to, to begin with. So from the very day one, I intended to go big into this industry. I wasn't just messing around. But after I did it and I got myself stuck, I thought I was stuck. It wasn't until I got out and I started to realize all of the gifts and experiences I learned that I totally took for granted. I had no idea what I was learning on the job as I was doing it until I left. And then I'm talking to people and I'm like, oh, my stars, like I really learned so much. It's the hindsight 2020. (laughs) It is. It is the hindsight 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's important to just be mindful of that and really listening to yourself, I think, is the real takeaway. And you've mentioned that a couple times now, so maybe we can dive into that a little bit further of the fact that you you mentioned you tried quitting four different times, but it wasn't until you started listening to yourself that you actually went out and quit. And then you are kind of leading the life that you are now with your family. And I'm sure at this moment, you're probably higher than a guy. You just love everything that's going on. And so what does that feel like as an individual? How do you start to recognize the feelings that okay, I'm at the point where I need a shift in my life. I need to listen to myself, my conscience, my body, God, whatever, whatever you believe in, right? And I'm going to chase after this new thing that I'm aspiring for. Okay, let me bring it home with these three, these three steps. This is the tangible takeaway your listeners can get here when you guys are listening to this. The vision and listening to yourself is what gives you the clarity. That's the first C of creation, clarity. Rather than asking yourself, or look at listening to your inner voice and thinking there's no way this is possible and shutting that down. Be open to it. Just say, what if it was, what if it was possible? Because when you ask that question, what if your mind creates a whole different way of looking at things? Like it's just, it's a whole mental shift. The next question then is to say, okay, if there was a way to do this, 
And even if I don't have all the answers, but the way was presented to me, am I willing to chase this no matter what? That's commitment. When you are committed to your dream, and that's what Lee and I did when we sat in our recliner, we committed to our dream. We didn't have all the answers. In fact, the plan that we wrote was like our measly idea. Well, it all happened a whole nother way, but it happened by December 2018, like we said. So it's really interesting because the commitment to the out to the end result is really all you need and a willingness to keep moving forward. And that's the third C is the consistency. So clarity, commitment, and consistency. When you have those three things, you can really achieve anything in life. It doesn't even matter if it sounds totally asinine and out of this world. It is po- Anything is possible. You just have to follow that path. And with those three C's, you start off with clarity, right? So at the time you recognize, all right, here's my clarity mark. I need to kind of change my life. I want to go spend more time with my family, right? And then next was commitment. Um, next is commitment. So you said, I'm going to commit that by December 2018, we are going to go chase this next dream of mine. And we're going to go live in the log cabin and like let our kids roam free and kind of do this fun thing as a family. So then number three, we got consistency. We're going to consistently start living our life in the framework that we've set so we can actually achieve this goal. And I think that's a perfect order of looking at it all as well, because if you don't go in that same, those same three steps, I feel like things can get jumbled a little bit. And I'm sure you had experiences like that inside of your time when, when things probably did get jumbled. I'm sure you had bosses who were trying to keep you um, working at the job. I'm sure you had moments of crisis where you thought, Oh my gosh, I can't, I'm making all this money. If we, if we leave, I'm done. We're going to be in debt. We're going to have all these issues. So what kept you going consistently on your goals so you can recognize I'm going to be able to achieve it, set all these doubts and fears aside, I'm going for it. Yeah, Brandon, you said it. The number one derailer of consistency is doubt. And whether those doubts are coming from somebody outside of you, like my aunt was really trying to talk me out of this, um, or they come from within, most of them are within. The anecdote to doubt is possibility. So what I would do is as I drove to work, which was an hour commute each way, I would be envisioning my dream happening, okay? And when doubt would come up, this is what I would do. This was my conversation with myself. Lindsay, I know today it feels completely and utterly impossible. I know that you feel like this dream is never going to happen and the world is crashing around you. It feels like that today. And I'm, I, I just want you to know I'm here with you and I, I, I understand that. But I know anything is possible. And because of that, I know there's a possibility that even if you don't see the way today, the way will come. And it's okay to continue to have hope. It's okay to keep moving forward. We're just going to take the next step and the next step. And I would talk to myself like that. This is like therapy in my car on the way to work. And that's the only way I could talk myself through those. I mean, when, when you really think the world is falling apart around you and it's it's a hopeless situation, it's easy to get your emotions into it and to just throw your hands up. I'm giving up. This is never going to happen. You just have to keep your head together and, and really talk yourself through it. Be your best friend. And you know, Lindsay, I think that's the perfect way you can start mastering your mindset. If you could kind of talk yourself through the different scenarios and help yourself recognize that there's always a bigger picture in mind not live through that day-to-day challenge, but recognize like we're running a marathon. We're not running a sprint, right? You talked yourself through that. And so can anyone who's listening to this podcast today. So thank you for those words of wisdom. Now, Lindsay, as we kind of close out to today's episode, I want to ask you something that I ask every single person I interview here on the Get Over Yourself podcast. 
Lindsay, if you had one piece of advice that you could tell the entire world, if somehow the entire world can listen to Lindsay Sutherland right now, what would you tell them and why? Well, I love the name of your podcast, Get Over Yourself. Okay. And it would be in touch with that because a lot of times the thing that we need to get over within ourselves is the doubt and the fear and the believing things are more doomsday than they really are. Our minds make it, it's phony baloney is what it is. <laughs> Our minds really just have a way of making us think the worst possible thing and paralyze us into not making a change. So to get over yourself, the message is to remember that that fear is false. And when you focus on gratitude and when you focus on the possibility, you transmute that fear. It literally dissolves and turns into creation. So that's the strategy. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. It sounds like you're a great fan of the phrase, get over yourself, something I've been saying my entire life. So I love it. Well, guys, make sure, as always, I'm going to link all of Lindsay's information down in the description of this episode. If you want to reach out to her or connect with her in any way, that'll all be in the description as well as my links so you can reach out to me. And guys, with that all being said, just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and start shifting your mindset so each different stage of life you get into, you could accomplish what you truly want to do.